Hi, my name is Gunnar Froh and I'm your host on the Wonder Mobility Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, thanks for inviting me. I already mentioned your company at the very beginning, but before I want to go there, I want to also introduce you properly. And you have, I mean, we're not that far away in terms of age. I think you have a super long career in mobility already. 2004, you started as a trainee mm -hmm. at Sixth. Yes. And then you've been leading uh, Drive Now as co CEO mm -hmm. for about seven years mm -hmm. before. BMW basically bought back the shares and, and merged with Car2Go. And then you were in charge of, I think, digitization initiatives mm -hmm. within Sixth. Most recently, beginning of this year, became COO of Sixth. So I mentioned Sixth in the very beginning as, well, I almost said now the elephant in the room, but <laughs> somebody who by some standards, is currently the most successful shared mobility operator over here. If you take a revenue profitability, also at the same time, a 120-plus-year-old company, I believe. Yeah. Can you describe to us how your product has evolved in the last years and how you're looking at sort of these new services emerging, how you're also benefiting from them? Because it's not entirely obvious. You're basically getting the value out of combining these two and have additional mm -hmm. value on, on your traditional product? I think, I mean, when I started with the company, obviously we were a pure car rental company. Yeah? And in, in absolute basic terms, uh, our uh, majority of the revenue came from the <coughs> airport rental. That was in a phase when we had a already rather big uh, network of locations in Europe and uh, some franchise network outside of Europe. And yeah, then uh, we a few, few years later, we then found our own car sharing service, first uh, station-based. Then we found together with BMW the German Shuttle Drive Now. And um, that obviously became very successful, which is good. Yeah? And I think all the things we heard today about setting up a brand, uh, investing into a brand, investing into a network, investing into cars and uh, have operations on. I think the beauty of that joint venture was that We had a, the ideal partnership in terms of operation, operational excellence and, let's say, the right vehicles uh, at this point of time. And, and you could really feel in the beginning of right now how that vibe evolved and so on. Um, and uh, one of the major learnings after we sold it is that, obviously, sharing the rent is pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, just other increments to charge on and obviously more technology within the vehicle. Uh, that's one of the learnings. And the other learning was that um, we... Somehow need to, if you want to be stay successful, we somehow need to provide something more relevant for the customer than just pure car rental. Yeah? Because at the end of the day, if you look at the typical car rental customer, you talk about one to two rents a year. That's mainly your trip to Mallorca huh? mm -hmm. and once, once a year and maybe, maybe a weekend or business trips, obviously. Um, but it's, uh, that's a typical guy. And then there's also quite a base of heavy users who use more regularly, mainly from the corporate fields. But if you, we were very early stage to provide an app and we always ask ourselves, how can we scale that app? Because we believe that this touch button is by far more loyalizing. Yeah? And what we figured out is that obviously with car sharing and the combination, you have something where you can increase touch points for these customers mm -hmm. yeah? and you increase the relevance in this app. And that was the first thought. And then second one was that we started pre-booked white hailing, I would call it. Yeah? So typical black limousine business we already had in our portfolio. That's how we actually started the company 100 plus years ago. But We also put something like a, a, a ride product. Uh, and we had more or less, before we thought about integrating this, we had 
the sixth uh, rent. We had uh, DriveNow as a car sharing product, and we had our MyDriver product as a mm-hmm. ride-hailing pre-book ride-hailing product. And after we got out of DriveNow, we said, okay, look, if we want to be, become a really relevant player, first of all, we need to technically build a platform because it doesn't make any sense to have three silos which are all working on their own mm-hmm. backbone, their own front end. Yeah? Uh, we had three apps in the, back, in, the, in the app store, which obviously doesn't make any sense. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So we need to combine this. That was the first step. And the second step, we also thought about, okay, if we want to really create the relevance, we need to be global uh, in, in, in most of the terms. So rent, we were already global. Share, we started very local uh, with Germany. Right, we had let's say a global footprint through partners mainly, mm-hmm. and we also thought about okay, what is the especially in right was the demand product there. So, uh, what we did at the end of the day, we created the platform, we put everything on one backend, and then we also integrated them to one frontend, which was the six one which we launched in two thousand nineteen. What we have there is obviously a global rent footprint. There yeah, was a typical car rental uh, product, then we have the share footprint uh, with Germany and later the, the three cities in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And as a share, we have the right product with uh, 1,500 cities. Lyft is integrated, Cabify, Edison Lee, but also the German taxi industry, for example. Uh, and that portfolio, we believe then, allowed us to actually create certain relevance for customers to use this app uh, in the first place. And then from a business model, we obviously didn't come from, okay, we want to earn commission with that, but we came from, okay, how, much, how often can we cross-sell customers into our core products uh, where we're very profitable? There was one hypothesis and the other hypothesis was, okay, we believe that we can acquire customers uh, by far cheaper coming again from the cross-selling uh, idea. Because uh, before we had that uh, mobility platform and the app, we more or less came from transaction-based online performance approach. Uh, we said, okay, that's a basket of a car rental. That's what you can afford to actually, uh, to, to actually pay for a customer. And that's how we do it. And we switched it then to lifetime value because again, we had by far more touch points. Yeah? That's mm-hmm. the whole idea. And what we created at the end of the day is a mobility platform where you have one login, one payment method, and you can use all these surf- uh, services deeply integrated so you're not jumping out at any other app. You stay within the app and you can use uh, all these services. And then 2020, we also added our subscription product as another piece of it. Mm-hmm. And just recently, um, we added third-party suppliers in the scooter and the moped uh, market. Mm-hmm. So you're coming from what you describe as a very profitable core product rental, daily rental product. But mm-hmm. the challenge there was that most users would only use it once or twice a year. So it doesn't make sense to download an app for that. They would yeah. basically go online. You have to compete every time against a lot of you know, other um, distraction advertising. And then now you have these new mobility options in your same as a way to keep people, from, uh, so keep people interacting with you. Yep. And then hopefully... Yeah, upsell into the um, other product. And you, you, you're descri- you were describing how you are not necessarily wanting to earn a commission on these because the actual goal is just to have this frequent interaction. Yeah. Then you're running a hybrid of yeah, some partner products integrated and then some of your own products beyond rental. And what I think a lot of us are wondering is you have now created this front end 2019. There was a big launch event and a lot of secrecy around it at first. And then it was uh, conceptually not, let's say, a surprising idea, but you were one of the first, maybe the first, to actually yeah, do that and put uh, ride-hailing and car-sharing and longer-term rental into it. Now you had a subscription. And then what people are wondering here more from the industry is, I think, is that just a fronted but then entirely separate operations and teams and so on behind it for each product? Or to what extent can you yeah, really 
benefit from, from synergies um, internally already. How does that actually work in terms of marketing and operations to drive um, synergies there? I, I, we still believe that it's very important that you have a, at least somebody who owns a product and feels ownership for it. Otherwise, uh, it's, it, there's a risk that every, everything dilutes pretty much. Mm -hmm. you know? So we still have people who own the share product. Um, we still have people who own the right product. We also have certain dedicated tech teams for it. Yeah, But this is, this is let's say, the core feature mainly front end um, uh, and let's say where they twist or tweak the product a bit to make it more attractive for the mm -hmm. customers to introduce certain packages for example on share uh, to do the pricing the marketing mm -hmm. because as I said also this product is very local we have that right part where it's about acquisition of new partners obviously mm -hmm. but also of making the product look and feel again UX front end um, uh, better and then we have let's say the backbone part which consists of booking a reservation mainly, then contract and then uh, invoicing plus payment. Uh, mm -hmm. That is centralized. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything else with front-end and UX is more or less technical-wise mm -hmm. separated. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can see that also, that, that was also one of the things where we debated heatedly before we started it. Because if you look at the app, you still see that we have these tabs down below mm -hmm. where we say, okay, a friend, share, write, subscription. Mm -hmm. We always try to find a solution where we say, how can we integrate it better? Uh, we, did, we still do a lot of AMB mm -hmm. testing, but it turns out that for some reason, customers are actually getting quite familiar with it and find it more attractive to separate this because not everybody has the similar use case. Yeah? So mm -hmm. it's not finished the discussion, but uh, we're still mm -hmm. debating. Uh, maybe not so heatily anymore, but it's uh, it's definitely something we still think about. How can you make it even more convenient without diluting the product? Because one of the risks is obviously if you are uh, if you put everything under the rent umbrella, so to say, yeah. Uh, and you don't manage it very well, you lose that usability for the share customers. And that is also mm -hmm. one of the challenges which we face. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you have one product and can focus UX-wise and mm -hmm. towards your customer and so on very strongly uh, with that one product, it's by far easier than having a mobility platform where you even have some assets yourself. Uh? Mm -hmm. that, that's definitely one of the challenges we're facing. And then in terms of marketing, that's, there's a lot of synergies, obviously, because as I said, we are more or less acquiring one customer who is then traveling between these modes. Mm -hmm. yeah? uh, so we have different initiatives, but it's more or less centered around one team, which is doing it for the, for the overall product lines. To what extent is your fleet and integrated at the moment that you are able to transition vehicles from the rent case into the sharing yeah. case, for example? So operations is, is definitely very strongly aligned already. Yeah. Minus uh, separation between the modes. But if you look at rent share and uh, plus uh, as subscription parts, there we actually share fleets already. Yeah. So we shift fleets between these modes. That's also, again, one of the challenges we are facing because if you look at the competitors in the share share segment, for example, you, you see a lot of clustering branding on the cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we know from the drive now experience that obviously the the logos and the and the car branding is definitely something where we could create customer awareness. Um, but on the other end, if I start shifting between share and rent, for example, yeah, that up to a certain extent people accept this. If mm -hmm. it becomes too much, then people say, "Oh well, I don't want to sit in this car. You know, it's branded and so on and so on. Why would I drive around with it? Or what is the why is the price so high and things like this?" Mm -hmm. So that's that's why we're not so strong on branding on the vehicles yeah, to be able to shift it, but. If you look at it from a very, I have a very good example always. Um, Munich is the best example, and that's also from the drive now experience. Christmas around Christmas time, what you see is everybody is getting out of the city pre-corona, obviously, and you had have heaps of cars at the airport for at least ten to twelve days. Yeah? So, and the cars are standing around. We in drive now. We try we try to actually bring uh, cars back to the city, obviously very costly and 
see if we can generate demand by lower price in the city. Didn't work well. We tried to incentivize at the airport. Didn't work well. So it's it's just a, a lose-lose game at the end of the day. What we did is for six share and six rent, for example, we have uh, a very high demand uh, at the airport up to the 24th of December. Uh, and we have all these cars floating into the airport until the 24th of December. So what we do, we just take them, shift them over, rent them for 15, 14 days, and then we come back and then we inflate them back again. Uh, that's That works pretty well. It's also, uh, that's one very, uh, let's say, very pragmatic example, but it also works on a daily day, 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 day to day base. So we also take out cars. For example, do the turnaround on our locations. If the mm -hmm. car is near to location or even transfer the car to location because it's needed, mm -hmm. there we already start floating with the vehicle and that drives utilization, obviously, and also price. We even went one step further um, in an MVP. We we started to offer share vehicles for people who have rented, uh, who have mm -hmm. uh, reserved the car in the rent segment, uh, mm -hmm. meaning that they have, a, I'd say, three-day reservation in the typical rent case. And then uh, he's uh, he's legitimized. He's already in the app. Yeah? We we approach him by a notification and say, look, you don't have to go to the station. You can actually take one of the cars which are around you. Here are the cars you're having. You obviously pay the same price. You can use any of these vehicles. He opens via the app and he drives off. And three days later, he just parks at his house. Mm -hmm. Feedback was excellent from the availability point of view and the nearness. Uh, so that's one of the things, obviously, we're, we're struggling is that how do we get closer to our customers, especially that I go to a station and have to stand in line queuing stuff. Uh, we take it very well. But we also had cases where people said, well, you know, the car is not in the condition I expect from a, from a, from a car rental experience. But we always give them the choice to also go to the station if they didn't like the vehicle. And that went quite smoothly, to be honest. Mm -hmm. If you think about vehicle sharing products conceptually, you maybe have two dimensions about vehicle types that you put into the fleet mm -hmm. and you are currently using, let's say, partners for, for that, for example, Tier and Kick Scooters to be able to offer that to mm -hmm. your app. And then the other dimension is probably the duration of minute-based daily rental subscriptions and so on. And you're describing a little bit how you are also using these new form factors and more shorter-term rentals to yeah, drive also some business for the more lucrative mm -hmm. longer term. And at the same time, some of the Originally, free-floating, minute-based sharing providers are discovering days and longer-term rentals for themselves. Do you think that's kind of an inevitable yeah, evolution that it's all meshing? So if you are an auto hinsteller, nicht hersteller, like Erich Six kind of used to say, mm. if you are in the business of putting cars somewhere, not manufacturing them, you're basically going to do it all because you need that frequency to interact with the user and have loyalty, but the real margin is in the longer term. or Where do you think that's going? Is Are you kind of coming down to the more flexible and others that have started in the flexible are going up and it's inevitably going to be a, a mesh or is that kind of a fallacy? I have a very personal opinion about this. I think it's, okay. uh, if I look at it, I believe that the transition from having a brand in the market which stands for car rental, especially so-called long-term, if you're coming from a demand on-demand mm -hmm. perspective, yeah, is by far easier, and that's my experience also with, with what we did, by far easier than to try to drive people on demand into longer rentals. Eh? It's also mainly because you somehow, um, if it's on demand, your your fleet is somehow not as plannable and rather restricted because mm -hmm. it, it would mean that you need to put 8,000 vehicles in the city and hope that someone is coming to actually rent it for three days. Eh? Mm -hmm. Plus, you have this whole corporate part of the business where, uh, I think Valerian said it, or someone is, um, uh, you have to attach yourself to certain let's say, booking engines, mm -hmm. invoicing yeah. engines, and so on. Yeah, very specific uh, mm -hmm. business, which we have done over the over the past decades. And that's why I think that the transition from 
the one day plus rental uh, to an on demand five day rent uh, five minutes rental is by far easier than the other way around mm -hmm. uh, and that also has to do with branding somehow because uh, I, i know i mean we have been investing a lot in our brand and to make it trustworthy mm -hmm. when it comes to car rental yeah? mm -hmm. i think everybody knows share now somehow for Uh, sharing mobility, but it's hard to tell people that, okay, you can also have that now for days and days. And and I think whatever you do in terms of, for example, delivery collection, yeah, mm. it just increases your, your, your transactional costs, which is definitely a problem when it comes to profitability again. Mm -hmm. You were also very heavily impacted by Corona. I think there it was also partially um, yeah, public that you were really yeah, monitoring the cost then and really getting very careful. And you told me beforehand that you all, this was also an impetus to accelerate the subscription product. Mm -hmm. So we really need to get cars into the hands of people now and not idling around. And then today you've basically, um, as sixth, have come out of this yeah, quite spectacularly. I think that two or three weeks ago I was reading in the news there was like a, let's say, profit forecast update. So it was corrected to be higher than planned. And I think right after the stock price moved like 7% plus 400 million market cap or something. It's all the mobile eye. I think that drove as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically, um, yeah, quite successfully navigate this, whereas car rental in general is more in a crisis. There was Hertz in the US going to bankruptcy protection and Europe car sold itself with a lot of debt also still. And what, from your perspective, I mean, I could throw around some assumptions, but from your perspective, knowing the company and the industry now so well and so long, what is driving that long-term success for you that maybe also some of our, let's say, newer entrants into this space should yeah, think about? Now, one one of the things, obviously, that uh, and that's uh, six plus is a very good example. Yeah? We 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 are very agile when it comes to finding solution when we feel that the market is changing, that there's a potential. Mm -hmm. We're very agile and just putting that on the street. And obviously, we are not a large corporation. That means we sometimes also do stuff which are not 100% ready. So we are mm -hmm. sometimes very very much on the 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. Which, um, because I'm also owning, let's say, the customer experience a bit, uh, which mm -hmm. makes it sometimes hard to say uh, always uh, fulfill the customer expectation but this is what we do is like we bring something to market we incrementally incrementally improve it mm -hmm. and then we can very fastly ramp it up uh, because we have that scalability through the booking channels are integrated through the demand we are we are having anyhow on the on the platform so far i mean what we saw in in, in 2020 is like bit wild west Second quarter, 100 plus million loss. Uh, uh, we all of us were driving cars to the depots to to defleet them whenever possible. We drive drove down fleet. Uh, June finally picked up again. Yeah, so third quarter, 65 million uh, um, EBIT uh, or profits, and then fourth quarter again go down because of the lockdown restriction came back. And uh, what we saw already last summer is that that there was this huge demand and this this supply issue uh, in the market, especially when it came to rental car. And that got even more, I wouldn't call it severe because it's sometimes more positive, yeah, but the, the price sensitivity dropped even more. Uh, uh, people were so hungry for vacation, for example, that this year we saw very solid uh, price increases in the Mediterranean countries. We saw, uh, and I've seen whoever saw the, the, our announcement on the Q2 figures, saw that the uh, US is definitely a very, has very high, high price levels, uh, although it's More or less still restricted uh, for uh, for uh, incoming income business, yeah, which was our main driver in the past. So we see that price levels are increasing some somehow due to supply and mainly due to the demand, uh, which is which is rising and and that's that's what's driving the success short term at least. Yeah, mm -hmm. in the long run, I would say that that uh, as I said, we are making uh, very often bold decisions and uh, we have a brand which is trustworthy to our customers uh, mm -hmm. and obviously also. 
I believe that we are, on the other hand, really cost-focused in terms of how much can operation cost and how much, you know, how, how do you steer that operational excellence to a certain point that it's still profitable at the end of the day. This combination of a brand being at the forefront, but at the same time, always extremely cost-conscious. Yeah. I would like to talk a little bit about another aspect that's less associated with six per se as a car rental company and so on and vehicle sharing. And that's the ride hailing part. You mentioned my driver before mm -hmm. already many years ago. I forgot maybe eight years ago or so. A chauffeur service, uh, let's say pre-booking private driver um, service. But um, now recently you had another announcement about something you are going to do in this field also with mobile eye and mm -hmm. um, autonomous driving and Can you, just for anybody who hasn't heard it, what, what did you announce already, what you're about to so, do in ride-hailing? Exactly. So what we do is actually we have an agreement with Mobileye that they are supplying vehicles, with, uh, which should be L4 by the end of the year. And we do the operation for these vehicles in Munich. We are um, currently discussing all the regulatory terms, uh, certification, but also the license with the city and so on. And we will bring in the first one 25 and then up to 100 uh, fully autonomous vehicles into Munich, the Munich area, including the airport which can be booked via the uh, six step in the right section as a fully autonomous service and in the Move It app, which is uh, owned and run by Mobileye as well, or Intel. So we're very excited. Um, uh, it's going to be, uh, that was the main question actually from journalists. It's going to be a Chinese vehicle. It's news, which we're using, which are equipped with camera and LIDAR and, and also obviously the map functions mm -hmm. of, of uh, Mobileye. And yeah, I think that, It's still quite quite something to do, but um, I'm pretty sure that we manage in this time frame. And then, uh, as I said, again, a very bold action and approach which you're running there. Yeah, definitely. I think something that yeah, most people even on the SF industry wouldn't have expected. I think Moya made their announcement some weeks ago about like the plan for Hamburg, the ID bus, all electric autonomous by 25. And then probably around the same time, maybe a few months before... You are basically as six going to um, run a similar and then autonomous service um, in Munich. So, um, just I think it's not a race at this point. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I believe that whatever is coming to the market accelerates that development, which I think every every one of us would have not expected. Mm. Like two years ago, yeah. there was this hype where everybody mm -hmm. said, "Like it's coming, it's coming." Then everybody said, "Oh, it's not coming. It's too complicated. It's not happening, especially mm -hmm. in the cities." And now we see that more and more players are sticking their head out and saying. There is a chance it's going to happen. And now we obviously also have players which say it's going to happen. Yeah? And um, at the end of the day, for me, it's not, it's not regarding the time frame, but obviously to put a bit of pressure on the market is definitely good for accelerating this, uh, this field. And for us, I cannot tell you what our autonomous strategy is at the moment. I think for us, it's really the learning case to understand how do you do operation with these kind of vehicles? How do customers react? What is the price sensitivity? What are the... I say little tricky things in operations because that's what I'm doing, operations at the end of the day. Then, then we can say, okay, how do we scale that? Yeah. That's very interesting. What you just mentioned about, I wouldn't necessarily be able to tell you right now what our autonomous strategy is, but of course we realize this is a big thing coming. We want to learn mm -hmm. about it and let's yeah, learn operations and how it really goes. So we are doing something, but we don't know yet where that will actually lead us. Absolutely. So it's super interesting. Thanks a lot for sharing your thoughts um, here with us. I think that we all kind of can, on the one hand, learn still from six, but also hopefully somehow chasing and like putting <laughs> some pressure on you yeah, at the absolutely. same time. And um, yeah, I think that concludes our discussion here. Thanks a lot for coming out today, spending time with us. And yeah, feel free to, of course, hang around more in the evening. I think that's what I'm going to uh, lead over to now. 
Thanks a lot, Nico. Thanks for, Thanks for great events.